fake out. I'll go ahead and mock my ankle. Away from Tazzy. Um, take it around. What's the reception like up there? Can everybody hear me clearly? That's good. Yeah. yeah. Can you see us? Yeah, I've got you. Yep. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, we can, we can hear you. If you can't hear me... Yeah, okay. If you can't hear me clearly, you're not going to miss much. <laughs> when we talk about somebody, when we talk about somebody, we understand that we're talking about the ultimate form of rights that any people have over themselves and over land or the country that is theirs. And so it's clearly the case, and no one, I think, not even the Australian government would dispute that before the end, nobody else in the world exercised greater rights over this country than Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders. And so the uh, religious uh, customs, the laws, the uh, rights to land, the division of land and so on were all based on the ultimate rights of Aboriginal people around the country to, to determine for themselves at that time uh, what it was they wanted to do and the lifestyle they lived. And we do know, of course, that in 2012 there's disputed sovereignty because the Australian government says that it has full sovereign power over Australia in the sense that it has a parliament, it has a constitution, it has the courts to enforce the laws, it's got the police to make sure that everybody in the country, including Aborigines, abide by the laws of Australia. And therefore the Australian government would say they are in full control of the exercise of sovereignty. Well, just as nobody could dispute the facts that we have sought for Lake Cain, no one could really dispute that they exercise powers over us today. But the question really is, on what does the Australian government think to have a right to exercise powers over Aboriginal people? And here the answer is, sure, is sheer power. They have got the force, the numbers, and the ability to carry out their will. But that doesn't mean they've got a moral power to override the sovereign rights of Aboriginal people. And of course, if you've got a moral to do something, then no legal, no duress can take away that moral right. Another one of the issues is whether the time that has passed that is, the last couple of hundred years, is so, so much that Aboriginal sovereignty would not possibly survive that period of time. Well, if you look at the experience overseas, the British and other European countries went to uh, Africa and exercised absolute power over the Africa 400 years ago. And it was only in the 1960s, some 400 years later, that many of those African nations gained independence on the basis that they were sovereign people. Uh, and so it's the same with Palestinians. They are dominated to such an extent by the Israelis that the argument could be mounted that the Palestinians couldn't possibly believe that they are sovereign people. Yet all of the uh, Middle East countries and many nations of the world accept that the Palestinians are sovereign people. Um, and the final point on the question of uh, uh, 
what do we think of us? I mean, how can we be used? It is relevant to the rights that we pursue within the Australian political system, such as land rights, representation, even native title. Because there's two ways that Aboriginal people can negotiate their rights. One is to say that if, for example, an Aboriginal group achieves native title, they can either say, well, that's the ultimate form of recognition that they are entitled to, or, and that's merely a stepping stone towards full recognition of that Aboriginal sovereignty. In other words, whatever gains we make, whether it be land rights legislation in New South Wales, Tasmania, Victoria, or the Northern Territory, doesn't necessarily mean that it's not very tight to it. Um, the second point is when we want to broaden out the discussion about the sovereignty, we have to better engage the Aboriginal population. And this is one of the difficulties with the notion of Aboriginal sovereignty. As we all know, we've marched in the streets for land rights because we've got we've had no land and everybody can see the land. We've uh, marched in the streets in camp against deaths in custody because people could see the numbers of people who were dying in custody one every fortnight when the police and the jail officials were saying Aboriginal were waiting to go to jail before they committed suicide. And as the Rogan uh, a final report showed, a lot of bunker. But the thing about racial discrimination, housing, jobs, land rights, are physical things that people can see. And so it's easy to engage with not only Aboriginal people, but the broader community, because they can see that there's something there to fight for and something that's wrong. Whereas Aboriginal sovereignty is more a political concept. What do you mean by Aboriginal sovereignty? If we can campaign with you, what exactly will it look like? And so we do know that in, even in small degrees of recognition of Aboriginal sovereignty, it, it would mean that we could choose our own full political representation. We must have control of our lands and our economy and we must have the ability to the exclusion of anyone else to be able to preserve our languages and our culture. And Without that political power that's vested in the sovereign group to carry out those functions, uh, Aboriginal sovereignty remains just an intellectual idea rather than something that you can mount a campaign on. We also need, uh, when we're talking about engaging more broadly, be able to explain what we mean by political the expression of uh, Aboriginal sovereignty through political representation. Um, it's, I'll leave this, uh, these number of options with the conference to uh, discuss a lot of people, uh, such as me, uh, say that we are entitled to full independence. We're independent before they came here and we're entitled to independence now, despite the fact that they're still here. Uh, others say that sovereignty means uh, having uh, X number of seats in the parliament like the Maori do in New Zealand and other people uh, say yet again that we're entitled to some form of uh, uh, Aboriginal parliament that I heard people discussing earlier in the conference 
such as exists on the Norfolk Island, where the uh, descendants of the Mutiny on the Bounty have their own form of House of Assembly. They determine who lives on Norfolk Island and they determine the rules under which people can live there. But uh, as you know, in recent times, those rights have been eroded by the Australian government putting them all on the dole uh, and subsidising everything in the uh, uh, Norfolk Island. But they are examples that we need to be able to articulate to the broad community we mean by Aboriginal sovereignty. The third point uh, is that um, we need to engage Aboriginal people away from and get beyond the mere issue, the mere uh, aim of jobs or education, overcoming racism. Uh, in doing so, we need to get people to understand that, uh, like the Palestinians, who would laugh at the idea that the Israelis would set up a, a Palestinian advisory body and all the Palestinians would run over from Hamas and join in the advisory body, we need to be on the same level and dignify our campaign for Aboriginal sovereignty by getting rid of the idea of advising white people to make decisions about our future because that is not sovereignty and that is not self-determination. And of course, so long as you'll have Aboriginal people willing to go and advise bodies like the National Congress or these other advisory bodies on education or whatever around the the, uh, around Australia where the, the state government set up these advisory bodies so look, Aborigines are willing to go on those advisory bodies no government is going to sit down seriously and talk about how to start transitioning from where we are to a form of Aboriginal sovereignty um, there has been a lot of talk about, in recent times about constitutional reform and how that could be relevant to Aboriginal sovereignty the difficulty here is the High Court takes the view that anything that is claimed within this constitution is an illustration of the exercise of sovereignty of the Australian people, in other words, the white people of Australia. And so if you place something in the constitution, uh, it's likely to be interpreted that whatever you place in the Constitution is subject to the other terms of the Constitution and is just one small piece of it. One way of getting around that is to put a formal words of the Constitution that we say before we place it together that it is not uh, the Australian government or the Constitution giving us our sovereign rights, we're simply placing something in the Constitution so that the white people of Australia are acknowledging Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders have the right of sovereignty. That form of words probably is that Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders are sovereign, are sovereign peoples and by virtue of that status they have the right to self-determination. And you can see by the, the way I use uh, uh, self-determination and sovereignty, I don't really see much difference between them. Self-determination is a political process through which sovereign peoples, colonised peoples, oppressed peoples uh, have the right 
to get out of the current situation into a situation where they determine for themselves what their destiny is. Um, my fifth point is that if we are to achieve any form of political independence as a sovereign people, we have to engage people outside Australia. I'm not aware of any group in the world who have been, who have been able to achieve recognition of their self-determination rights without having a broad support base outside their country. So all the African states, of course, have been... Okay. Uh, apart of Africa and Australia because of the support of Britain and the United States. Um, and the Balkan states that broke away from the Soviet Union, of course, had the support of the West. One of the difficulties, though, is that even if you have got broad international support, it doesn't guarantee that you will get your right of independence. You only have to look at the Palestinians as example. But if we are to engage the international community, we must do it in a, a dignified way. And some examples include attempt sending our delegates off to the South Pacific Forum, because the South Pacific nations are fully aware of the treatment of Aboriginal people in this country. And they are our strongest allies to stand up against Australia and say, no, no, Aboriginals are entitled to more than they title, more than goods and services. They are entitled to political independence. Um, um, and, of course, uh, uh, if we are going to engage with international bodies, so we have to do it, what we thought when we talked about the Aboriginal passports, we have to do it as representatives of the Aboriginal nation, not as uh, Indigenous Australians, as a, as a course, and we must not travel on the Australian passport. And people are probably familiar with that I've always travelled with your passport, and whenever I come back into the country, the officials must have me up on a few, they give me a real hard time trying to produce the Australian passport, and when I put the Aboriginal passport up, which they say they don't, uh, they don't accept and they don't recognise, uh, then they make me wait and wait and wait. And of course, it's just a, a process of harassment that I know will come to an end after half an hour, an hour, because if they take the view that I am not uh, entitled to enter my own country under international law, they have to deport me to my country of origin. Can I say that we could continue to put sovereignty issue forward just because there is no broad support among the politicians in the country does not mean we should not advocate it because it makes them nervous whenever advocated and whatever you say, if I'm coming to talk to you about land rights, I'm coming to talk to you about education, I'm coming as a representative of the sovereign Aboriginal people. It makes me nervous. Paul Keaton didn't really want to shake my hand for native title stuff uh, in the 1990s because I was APG, but of course uh, the, uh, the national meeting at Jaja, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, said that nobody wanted the APG down there, so he, he uh, reluctantly shook the hand of a man who was there, 
arguing Aboriginal sovereignty. We must educate and base all our negotiations on this notion that we are a sovereign, not a delegation from the community. In my view of many other people, if we make dignity and our determination on Aboriginal sovereignty, something has to give. And after 200 years, we haven't given up. So in my view, keep agitating on the basis that we are a sovereign people, not subordinate to any other nation in the world, and certainly not subordinate to the people who inhabit our country. In the finish, and it will take time, we will win. in the first sovereignty conference down there. Um, anybody, anybody, does anybody have any questions? Don't give us a date. Give us a date. How do we get a passport? How do we get a passport? Next week. Next week. How do we get a passport? Um, if people leave, I mean, I've received them the forms for the passport uh, and it was supported by the two-fate
Skype now to go back on this other thing, Callum, and listen to the rest of it. All right. Thank you.